What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast, and I am your host, Peter Pratt. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the extravaganza. Please do not be put off by the runtime. It is long. Embrace it. Enjoy it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we welcome you to this show. We are leading off with the UK goats, of course, but just to set the scene, what to expect? Well, basically, for episode 100, I'm going to I'm going to lean on the goats and a load of other guests, and we're going to cover at least 100 questions throughout the whole of this episode. There may be more. I don't know who's counting. If you do count, Eli Sussman, maybe, let me know how many questions were actually asked. That would be pretty fun. Um, I'd say it's at least 200 by, uh, by the time we finish up. But anyway, that's, that's the way we're going to do it. It's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of content, a lot of old friends, people who've helped with this podcast for the past two and a half years and um, you know should be a lot of fun so of course in the leadoff spot the ever-present lee dobbs lead off lee how are we doing i know as good as always i'm feeling old <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has yeah. aged you 100 not out <laughs> 100 not out is right totally totally correct good man well great to have you on mate and firstly i want to tip my cap to you um it's been awesome having you on the show. I would say that you have the, when I think of uh, the predictions, remember we used to do the predictions, Lee Dobbs <laughs> was always on the money, always. So the best predictions of anyone, I would say in this, uh, of this, of this crew. So well done, Lee, and it's been awesome having you on. It's so weird to think how the group of us just met on Twitter yeah. and just decided, hey, let's do this podcast. Um, but yeah. listen, I, I've got a couple of questions for you coming up in a sec, but you know, in the meantime, <laughs> we'll, we'll introduce the other guys, Sean Barrett in the two spot, Sean Barrett, you can't see this, but I can, he's got the city connect. He's got the beers flowing. The beard is looking on point. Sean, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm talking a tip in the caps as the uh, resident rookie of the podcast. I'll tip my cap and say congratulations to the three of you there for the hundred podcasts so far. And here's to the next hundred. 100%, buddy. Well, listen, it's been great. I think you've slotted in brilliantly this year, mate. It's been great to have you on and, and join us you know, weekly. The insight's been on point. The pessimism is, is, is appreciated for sure. Um, helps to balance things out, no doubt about it. But it's been awesome having you, mate. And uh, a great addition, no doubt. Right. In the cleanup spot. The man. The man, the stud, of course, Rob Newell. Rob, how are we doing? I'm good. From Tazawa to Jazz Chisholm, hasn't things changed in these 100 episodes? And uh, I will say for something, uh, in the Marlins history, Jeff Conine went to 92, grounding a double plays. Derek Dietrich had 93 hit-by-pitches. 
but we've exceeded all of that with our 100 episodes. We absolutely have. From Tazawa to Jazz Chisholm. I mean, that, I mean, we have a, we have a podcast name. We have a title. Yeah. You know, there we go. That's Sums it up. That is perfect, Rob. Why he's in the cleanup spot, no doubt. Listen, Rob, I must say, uh, and I've had people messaging me for the two and a half years we've had doing this saying, who is this guy, Rob Newell? And how does he know so much about the minor leagues? How can one guy in the UK be able to follow the minor leagues? It's just insane. Um, so I think me and we collectively tip our caps to you as well, mate, in terms of yeah. the, the insight. There's been some serious, I mean, I, I think back, you know, you were the man on Zach Gallon back in the day. You were the one saying to me, Zach Gallon, he's a stud, and I'd never even heard of him. You're the one who's still banging the drum saying Tommy Evold, touchdown Tommy's going to be a stud. I, I believe you. Totally believe you. So appreciate it, Rob. The insight, the effort, the analysis, the detail is, is second to none, no doubt, buddy. So it's been, it's been awesome. Oh, right, guys. We've got a few things to get into uh, before we open, up, open it up to some guests. So uh, Lee Dobbs, first question I have for you, buddy. You were on that first episode. You were in the leadoff spot. <laughs> Honestly now, truthfully, what odds did you give us after that first episode that we would have gotten to 100? Uh, probably 100 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, try and, just try and give the listeners some insight into how that episode actually went. Oh, that was... Uh, what, what? Also, the mics were terrible. The, the you know, we'd never met or chatted before. Didn't we chat about you know a few minutes before we 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 like went live? And oh, it, I mean we, uh, yeah, we like dissected every game, didn't we? Like you know, like you know, like run, you know, run by run. It was it was it was all a mess, <laughs> you know, you know. But but you know, we've come a long way since you know since then, and you know, it's, it's been good fun. 100% mate I, <laughs> when I think back to that episode it was hysterical, I know Sean wasn't on it Rob, um, before I give my uh, view on that, what, what could you remember about that first episode, if anything I, I remember how sort of quite nervous we were yeah, and nervous. that we, we thought we had to do it all really, really seriously like, you know, we were sort of you know, like Glenn Gaffner, sort of reeling out stats about the game and it was interesting listening back because we couldn't hear you at all Pete because your <laughs> mic was terrible so there was kind of if you're listening in the car you'd have to crank it up just to listen to Pete and then it would just blast out with my deep voice or whatever and you had to turn it back down again while I rattled on about you know I don't know how many ground into double plays Stalin Castro had just gone through and uh, it was um, yeah it, it, yeah it was it it clearly was, um, you know, uh, not the greatest produced thing, but it did show that uh, we uh, kind of knew our stuff or were really blagging it one of the way, one of one way or the other. But it was, um, it obviously got better and better, and then and, and since then, you know, it's, we're we're semi pros at this now. I think I think we need another hundred to be as as polished as as Craig Mish and, and that lot. Yeah. No. Well, I mean. We're getting there, guys. I must say, for, <laughs> Rob, you completely, you know, you, the insight is correct. There was just some serious issues with my, my mic. And what that meant was, and I, I had barely no editing software at all, by the mm -hmm. way. 
And I then basically had to go and dub all of my questions after the episode and try and piece it all together. So I was actually, I dubbed it all because I couldn't hear it at all, or you couldn't hear me. So I've then had to go and just dub it all with me asking the question again, but on a slightly better mic. It was, listen, guys, it was a shambles of an episode. No doubt about it. There's no other way to put it. We had no mics. I had no Wi-Fi. I was trying to do it on an iPhone at one point. That didn't work. We had no, we didn't have Zoom. We had Skype that was crap. We had no editing software. We didn't know what we were doing, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. No doubt about it. It was fun. I'm glad we did it. And, you know, when I look back, you know, it's actually one of our most listened to episodes, episode number one, Um, mainly because I think Dan, if I recall, every time Dan went in his car, it started playing episode one. Um, He was hooked to his car or something. I I think it's right up there is like maybe fifth most listened to. But what I recommend to the listeners now, go and have a listen back to episode one. We recorded that, I think, in the preseason, you know, in the build-up to the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. Go and have a listen back, just how nervous we sound, um, how terrible the quality is. Um, the intro music, if you do you remember, was there any intro music? I don't think there was. I'm, no. I don't think there was, actually, no. Not for the first one, I don't think, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what the intro music was in the earlier days before I kind of upgraded our package? Do you remember what it was? Will Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. the Miami. Yeah, that one. It was. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, I was thinking really outside the box with that, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, it feels great to be here for 100. This show, as I mentioned earlier, is just a, a straight up extravaganza. There is, there's everyone that's helped us along the way, and a few new guys that are dropping in just to add a little bit of flavor. So I, I tip my cap to you guys that people feel that they want to come on the show as well and talk baseball with us. So I think that's awesome. Um, everyone speaks so highly of the pods. They enjoy it. And listen, following baseball in the UK daily, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do because most of the games are after midnight. Bear that in mind that, you know, when, when the guys out in the U S going, wow, these West coast games, they're tough to watch. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> Early for us, yeah. Say yes. We're getting up and enjoying the end of them with some, you know, some, some crumpets or whatever. But anyway, right, guys, let's dig into some of the action from the last week. We did record one only four or five days ago. So, um, you know, it's, it's not been long since we spoke. So let's dig into the action, which was effectively a Nat series. Um, Sean Barrett, I want to come to you, buddy, on this one. Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson. 11 Ks from Zach Thompson. Insane performance, mate. I mean, listen, I don't think this came out of the blue, personally. I, I, I've I, been so impressed with him. What's been your take on Zach Thompson, these first, what, four starts? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say that, that it didn't come out of nowhere because, you know, 11 Ks in six innings, you know, his stuff was, was amazing. Um we spoke before um, about his pitching and, you know, he's pitched in, I think it's three starts prior with three innings, four innings and five innings, um, not in a row though. Uh, but he is, you know, the going six is probably the thing that sort of took me by surprise the most, you know, that, that he can go through a lineup two and a half 
times through and not start getting knocked about. The 11 Ks obviously, you know, come out and, you know, speak volumes to his stuff. But, you know, if we can trust him to go five, six innings each and every week, that's that's a justifiable number four. Mm. No doubt about it. Hey, listen, the other question, the follow-up on that, um, and some of the strikeouts were absolutely electric. It wasn't just like you had 11 Ks against the bottom of the order and the pitcher. Yeah, they, you had a couple there, but, you know, there was a couple of, you know, a couple of times Schwarber was was frozen, um, the hottest hitter on the planet right now. I think his first two at-bats were both exactly the same. Curveball, caught looking, sensational. I think he got one on Soto the same inning as well, so he went Schwarber, Soto, caught looking. It was just sensational, a sensational effort into the top of the lineup. However, here's the question now. We're about to head into July. You've got a guy who's turned up that is unheralded. No one knows anything about. Is pitching well. Is is his value now at the highest point it will ever be in July? Where other teams are maybe looking to add an arm? Is that maybe something you look to do, or do you just kind of embrace the fact that he's come from nowhere and you let him roll the rest of the year? I think it's a it's a situation where you trust the franchise. If you look at how we moved on from Gallon bringing in Chisholm. Now, maybe that they saw so much in Chisholm that they thought we can get rid of Gallon, but he's not exactly lit the world on fire since he went from the Marlins. I think if the Marlins decide to keep Thompson, they believe that he's a, a starting pitching, a guy in the rotation. They mm-hmm. trade on from him, then maybe, yeah, they, they look at it as a, oh, crikey, this is a red-hot situation where we've got people, especially this year, where every team's going to be crying out for pitching. And I think the, the main thing that the league will notice, as you said, this isn't, uh, you know, a number five team in the division. This is a red-hot Washington Nationals. Schwarber, as you said, Hottest hitter on the planet right now, two strikeouts on that curveball. That curveball that night was disgusting. It was so filthy, I had to delete my internet history. That's how bad it was. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, you know it's been wild when the internet history. And let me just let me just tell you what I'm watching here now. This is I wish I could have. Do you know what? I have I have the video of this. I'm gonna release the video of this as the promo video. No one else is seeing this as they're, as they're listening to it. But what you've just had is a Sean Barrett description there in a City Connect jersey. And as he's delivered the point, he's then sat back and sipped out of a champagne glass. <laughs> he's sipping out of a champagne glass here. He's celebrating hundreds like a king. Absolute scenes on episode 100 here, early doors. Love to see that. Um <laughs> Segwaying across here quickly from one pitcher who's hot to one who is probably not, and you know, interesting to see how it goes. Rob Newell, we uh, we, we saw Cody Poteet getting kind of roughed up um, his last time out, and it looks like he well, not looks like he has gone on to the the IL today. Um, he was scheduled to start um, in this Philly series. We're clearly not going to see him in this Philly series. So, you know, good start, and then obviously kind of tailed off a little bit with Petit. So is that, you know, just run its course there with Petit and it's kind of back to AAA for him? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. He, he'll he be, that, that start wasn't obviously very good. Three innings, six hits. You know, the, 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 the problem really was walks as well. 
That's what didn't help the earned runs. Yeah, strikeouts in there. Six strikeouts over three innings isn't too bad. Um, but it was just the, the the big problem is there's so much going to high counts and then it ending up being walks. Um, you know, after a couple of decent games to start with, it has seemed like it's starting to fall apart. It was almost like a sort of like a, uh, a Jordan Yamamoto season in miniature. I think yeah. is probably the way I'd, I'd kind of describe it in his sort of games. But the last, just going through his last sort of few games, um, it, the the third game he did, which was the, um, against the New York Mets, he went seven innings. Since then, he's only been able to go uh, four innings, 2.2 innings, three, although there was an injury within that, I do admit, uh, 3.2 innings and three innings. And so you haven't really got a starting pitcher that's taking you any distance. You're almost got somebody there who is part of a bullpen game. Um, if you can only go that far, then it's, it's not kind of what we need. We do need someone to eat those innings economically at the start so you're not leaning on the bullpen. Um, so I think it is time to him to just go down, learn what he's learned and stretch out. I think that's the only thing he can do. It, it was disappointing that game because it did set us off on the on the wrong foot, and it, it, did, it did for the rest of the game. It felt like oh, we're going into the bullpen now, and I don't think we've got much chance. It's one of those days where, also, to be honest with you, that um, you know we we'd gone from that hot against you know Chicago and then ice cold, and then we didn't quite know where we were. The first Nats game was awful, and. Um, you know, just, or are we now just in ice cold land again? Mm. Um, and you know, his start didn't really kind of help us, even though Jazz did really well that day, and you know, a few others. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think so. It looks like the corresponding move will perhaps be Jordan Holloway coming up, whether it's to start properly, start, and they've you know, he pitched well out of the pen early doors, then started a couple of games and. I think in reality, we've got a cluster of dudes that I can see anyway that are effectively the same dude at the major league level. Petit, Nick Nider, Braxton Garrett, um, Jordan Holloway, obviously. All these guys are like at that same kind of level where they just walk too many guys. They walk and they get themselves in too much trouble and the stuff just isn't good enough at, you know, at the level. I'm, I'm probably doing some of them a a disservice but that's the sense they don't throw hard enough and the stuff isn't good enough am i being too harsh yeah uh, no, i think the, the other problem here though is in, in in any normal season you'd have seen them have a good long stretch in triple a and none of them have because of the season being cancelled so you're asking these guys who didn't saw very little if any action suddenly to pitch themselves in and try and hit you know, so try and pitch what a hundred innings or whatever to try and fill in the gaps because Alicia Hernandez is injured. Sixto is, you know, not ready yet. Apparently he's throwing from 120 feet, which makes me worry that they're <laughs> going to put him in the outfield. Um, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. How long he's, is he's, 120 feet? I mean, is that what, you know... That's about that's halfway out in the outfield, isn't yeah. it? It's, 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 you know... Yeah, it's, it's it's a strange distance anyway. Um, but uh, he's not playing, which is the, which is the major problem. So you're yeah. you're looking for this this filling, um, you know these these filling guys, and but they do need they need 
more, you know, if they had a full season in AAA, then they might be ready. We're not the only team having these kind of issues. I watched the the, the Diamondbacks the other day, uh, and one of their young players, I think it was Corbin Martin, I think his name was, uh, who came up and um, uh, and he really, really struggled. It's the same situation where you've got players that really should be in AAA and having that full season and being assessed whether they can go up are having to go up because of all the injury issues. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's uh, at Holloway's last game. I watched that against the Durham Bulls. He, 5.2 innings, six hits, four run runs, two walks in that. Four strikes outs. He, he, he pitched well, but not something where you thought, oh, you know, this is like what Zach Gallon was like before he came up. Um, there was there was sort of uh, there was none of the excitement thinking this guy has got to go up now. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be much the much this, and we're we're going to be in this infinite loop of these players unless one breaks out, a bit like Zach Thompson, mm-hmm. um, or we get. You know, Hernandez back. Sanchez decides to, you know, he can throw from a a, a distance from the mound to a, a catch, um, or whatever. <laughs> who is who is pitching though? Like actually pitching in games is Eddie Cabrera. You know, he's back up. He's a, a double A now, so double A's like rotation is insane. I mean, you got to feel <laughs> sorry for them double A dudes and on the other teams that are trying to, you know, make their living and progress, but. You know, you but know, do you, do you want to rush these guys? And that's that's the thing. I, I with Cabrera as, as 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 how he kind of just just you know is is starting to you know he's come up in, and 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 done the same thing. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter whether he's in Beloit. It doesn't matter whether he's in Pensacola. And in theory, it doesn't matter whether he's in Jacksonville. But you want to see him have a longer run. The same thing with Max Meyer. Yeah. Give these guys the time in AAA before you push them straight in and they they then don't do what they should be doing yeah um but the the only other option is you're getting an experienced army but where's any of those because there's so many injuries about yeah this is it you you can't even you can't get anyone off the scrappy because well they've been sat on the couch you're going to take a month to get built up so by that time you pass the deadline you're into you're into august and you know your season's cooked anyway probably so hey it is what it is um you know we hope John Holloway comes up, does what he does. I, I, I'm, I'd like him better in the pen, to be honest. I, I think his stuff plays in the pen better, but we'll wait to see. Lee Dobbs, let's finish off on, on, on the week that we've just seen. Offensively, what were the bright spots for you this week? Uh, we hit some, some some home runs at least this week. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we had Bertie. What, what was it? You know, you know, yeah, an oppo shot shot from you know, you know from Bertie. You know, yeah, who's really done you know, you know, done well. Like, at third base, actually, you know, like you know, offensively since he's, you know, you like you like take taking over from a uh, uh, like BAs, you know, like you know w- w- when he went down, you know, I mean, I mean, we had Miggy Rose, you know, your home run, which you know, which you you know, you called <laughs> like before, <laughs> so there was that. Cooper was you know, he was back, you know, yeah, he hit home run, so you know, like the offense on the whole, the, on you know, like, you know wasn't too bad. I mean, obviously on, on, on Sunday we just just ran into Max. You know, yeah. you know, he goes lights out. You know, whenever we we faced him, and then I mean, and obviously on that Sunday we had Sandy, who you know, you know, he guided out. Yeah, you know, it was a shame that you know, you know, he 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 was obviously you know under the weather, mm. but you know, you know, he gave us five, 
you know, I mean, he, he did okay and okay until it unraveled in the sixth. But you know, on on the whole, whole though, you know, a two-two split with the Nats isn't too bad considering the form that they were, you know, were in, you know, like the week before that. Yeah, so I agree. Like the problem is with the split, it just. It's just not enough, is it? That's the problem. No, nah, we need to start, start winning you, you've these, got to, these series. You've got to pretty much win every series until the end of July for you know for the Marlins to go and buy. And that's mm. the other question: is if they can get into that spot, do they then go away and you know make a deal? Do they go and get a new Starling Marte type type deal? If you know if they're way off, then you know I don't know. But you know we got some a lot of. Divisional series happening. Obviously, yeah. we just finished with the Nats, Phillies, Braves this week. They'll be fun series, no doubt. You know, you know, the chance is there to make a move. You know, you know, up up the standings, but you know, it's just a pitching again where we've got three great ones, and then mm. and then who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'd go as far to say we've had four aces recently. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Thompson, you know, you like can carry on, then then, then yeah. But obviously, we would go. We see, but yeah, there's definitely a chance to you like to make some, you know, inroads. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, it, the problem is with these this Marlins, just the offense in general. It's unfortunately yeah. hot and you cold. Only have one guy hot at one time. That's the problem. Yeah. They've never this year <laughs> managed to have two or three guys hitting at the same time. Like it's either Aguilar on the road going bananas, or it's Marte going bananas or jazz right at the start of the year jazz was the main man um then duval goes and goes bananas and, and it, but it's never at the same time you no. you only have clusters but a one-man cluster yeah. <laughs> that's the problem um, not enough to win no i mean they've had they have these you know they, they've struggled in one-run games or close games yeah they've, they've either the marlins have either been hammered lose a close game, which is mainly what's happened, or they blow a team out. Like yeah. it's it's wild though. But look, they you know the, the run differential is still way in the past. Yeah. It's ridiculous that that stat. <laughs> crazy, crazy that. And then hold on, how many games back? Are they nine games back right now, the division leads? So they're nine games back. Let's say they go on a run. Let's say they go on a run against these Phillies and Braves, do some damage there. Um and all of a sudden, they're what five games back. Let's say the end of this week, um, you know they've actually then got a tough stretch with the Dodgers and Braves again. So they've got a tough run before the All Star break um, as well. But let's say they come after the All Star break five games back. Are the Marlins buyers or sellers at that point? Five games back. Uh, five games back, I'd say they'd be buyers probably mm. because, like I said, we 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 got the chance then, but. To be honest, I'm not sure if I can see it, but no. you know, but yeah, that, that I, I think they they will be buyers, and and they've obviously got the got the chips to like trade away as well. So yeah, I you know it, it is a tough stretch. So if they can somehow get get to the All Star break, you know, five four four games back, then then yeah, yeah, you know, I mean well, it, it is it is you know like there, there's no wild card, you know, you know from the no. East, so it's it's division or bust. Yeah. Oh, it's been that way since the start, right? We we knew that um, yeah. anyway. So it is divisional bus, which is fine. Problem is though, the Mets will still be buying. I mean, the Mets. I mean, yeah. They needed to buy about a month ago when they lost their whole roster. So, you know, it's impressive. But anyway, final one, guys, and then we'll 
we'll kind of get into some of our guests. Sean Barrett, I'll finish up with you, mate. Um, we we heard from Miggy today. We well, not directly, but um, saw him on the the Chris Rose rotation. Don't know if you've seen it or not, but you know the the summary is that he wouldn't he would understand if he was traded. I think is probably the best way of describing it. If the Marlins felt that was the best thing to do, boy oh boy, that's an interesting thread we're going to need to to unpick. How do you see this playing out with Miggy? I mean. He's one of the Marlins' best players, but, you know, on the field, but off the field, you know, just a natural-born leader, I think. And, you know, many clubs would like that type of dude in the, in the locker room, I'd say. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I saw the, the news come out. I've not actually seen the interview yet. I plan to watch it because I've, I'm really interested to see where that came from, how that came about, mm. because it's a really, really important and interesting topic for the Marlins. Now, we could talk about how he's the captain of the team. He's, for a better phrase, the face of the franchise. He gels the team. He's a fan favourite. We could talk about all the things, all those integral things he does to make the Marlins a team. But I, I want to throw that all out the window because saying that negates what he means to the team on the field. On the, t- on the field, he is a top five uh, shortstop defensively. Yeah. And that absolutely brings value. That brings victories. He's a 300 hitter that's been almost established. He is absolutely a valuable offensive piece. The Marlins, I don't see a situation. I think the way that it was worded was if they trade me and it gives them a better chance to win next year, I'd be okay with it. There is no trade. There is no fantasy trade where we get rid of Miguel Rojas and we are better because of it in 2022. There is no way in my eyes that I see that being the case. Now, I've been through an awful lot of fire sales. I've been through an awful lot of silly situations where you you trade Miguel Cabrera, one of the best pure hitters in baseball history, away for basically nothing. Burke Badenhop, there's a name for you. Google that one. You trade Christian Yelich, who is on a team-friendly contract. When, you know, that's... I, I can just about stomach that. There is no justification for Miguel Rojas not being the sharp, starting shortstop for the Marlins in 2022. No way. Oh, strong words. Have a sip of that drink there, uh, Sean. <laughs> Good man. All right, guys. I think that probably brings us up to date with uh, with the action since we last spoke. So, a split against the Nats, not terrible. Clearly, one of the games was a was a max win. You know, it is what it is. You kind of chalk that one up. Um, unfortunately, I just don't think it's enough. Um, you know, splits aren't enough for these Marlins now. They need to get on a run. But day off today, Phillies uh, roll into Philly and then uh, roll into Atlanta. So we've played well in the division this year, all year. So let's see, we've played the Phillies tough for the last few years. So it could be a good little stretch for us. So, right, that is it for the the news and notes section. Sit back, enjoy tons of guest conversations. There is just so much in there, so much analysis, so much fun. Really sit back and enjoy. And then me and the guys will be be back to to wrap things up at the back end of this uh, 
joining me now. Oh boy, it's getting hot in the kitchen. Alex Contreras is in the house. Alex, how we doing, buddy? What's up, Peter? Hey, congrats on number 100, baby. You turned up across the pond. We got a special ribeye on the grill for you over here at Marlon's Barbecue, man. And well, mad love, man, mad love. But before we keep it going, man, special, special 100. I got to keep it 100 with you guys. I got to go on an all-star game rant. I cannot believe that the, the selections have been out, like the people, the, the, the fans voted and everything, and the audacity. Once again, this thing is a freaking prima donna population contest. There's not a single Marlon on the freaking list, dude. Jesus Aguilar, huh? He's not he's not worthy of it. All the RBIs he's got every single day, huh? Adam Duvall, Duvall. <laughs> this uh, this uh, podcast social brought to you by Goose IPA. <laughs> Gotta love the goose. Oh man, don't don't get me started on the pitching. Don't get me started on the pitching. Sandy Alcantara, he's four and eight right now in the season. He could easily be eight and four on any other team in this major league baseball. Like the whole thing, bro. Anywhere, if he was a Yankee, if he was a Met, if he was a Dodger, he was whatever, bro. He was a Cardinal. He'd be kicking ass right now. His ERA is on point. And you know what? He lost five to one. He gave up five runs. I'm not even mad at him. I knew, he, like, what did I expect out of him? I expected him to give six innings. And you know what? I blame Donnie. Donnie, you got to pull the hook on our guy, especially when you know he's been giving you back-to-back games kicking ass. All right? You brought me here to talk about catching. You talked to me about hip, hip, Jorge. Jorge, damn it. He's back from the DL. He's bringing the gas. He's starting to bring it up. He's slowly but surely starting to be a little bit more productive. I still need him to get it together. Yeah, right now he's on a career year throwing out guys at 45%. He's throwing out 45% of these guys trying to run on him, and you do not run on Alfaro. All right? But with that being said, everybody knew he was going to be a defensive guy. That's why we got Sandy Leon. That's why we got Chad Wildy. I need Jorge to go freaking go get himself a bandeja paisa and turn it up and have everybody out at Lone Depot Park just saying, hip, hip, Jorge, I need him to turn it up, bro. When's the last time we see a home run from him? And don't get me started on Aguilar. Aguilar, I need you to hit home runs at, at Lone Depot Park, baby. Come on, man. Come on, dog. Wild, wild splits for Aguilar. No doubt about it. 12 bombs on the road. None at Lone Depot. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> It's crazy how uh, uh, Boston, it's what, 3 310 to left field at the Green Monster, 305 or whatever it is, mm. and freaking Lone Depot's 344 to left field, bro. That's what, that's crazy. That's an, think about how many more home runs. Imagine Jesus Aguilar, whoever other Marlin would be at a freaking Fenway Park. We'd be kicking ass. No wonder Mike Lowe's career came back to life when he got traded to the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Hey, listen, just a quick one, quick segue. How was Fenway, though, by the way? Saw you there a few weeks back. Uh, it was a little, was, little bit wet one day, but it was amazing, man. It was amazing. I can't now wait. I hope that one day before I die that Marlins Nation is somewhat like Fenway because, wow, those people were booing when they canceled the game. They postponed the game because of uh, uh, rain delay, rain delay. Oh, we canceled it because of rain in general. It was bad weather. You couldn't tell, bro. There was 25,000 people out in the stands, 30,000 people out there. They were yeah. ready for the game. And it was a dream come true to go out to, to, to Fenway Park have some beers. I ran to a lot of Marlins nation out there. Who would have thought, right? More, more than at Lone Depot park sometimes. Yeah. And like, man, Hey, the best part was that I was on the green monster and I got to yell, let's go Marlins. <laughs> that was epic. Everybody was looking at me crazy. Hey, what's up boy boy. But Hey, it was amazing. Shout out to John birdie who saw me threw me a ball. You know what I'm saying? I saw Dottie Bates. I saw the guys. I, I was amped up. I was amped up to be out there and seeing the boys rooting for the boys, man. I was just ready to see our all studs, all stud lineup. 
we we fell short the marlins lost i thought i was gonna bring a little bit of good luck but unfortunately the cards didn't fall that way but hey it's all cool man it was a hell of an experience and let's go fish anyway baby <laughs> absolutely absolutely hey listen what's it been like down down at lone depot this year obviously it's still restricted you know uh, attendance or whatever seven eight thousand but over the weekend, you were down. City Connects were pumping. The band was pumping. It was all it was all happening. Just try and describe it for us. Man, the Pachanga band was lit. They were out there turning it up with the music, the heart and soul of all the fans out there. And there was uh, over 7,000 fans, right? Right now, we're not at full capacity at Lone Depot Park. We'll be at, at full capacity starting July 5th. But it was cool. It was great to, to feel like things were going back to normal. And you can tell there was a lot of excitement there. There's a lot of fans there, a lot of uh, uh, opposing team fans too. But there was also a lot of Miami fans that were happy to be there. And like, it was a joy to be out there and embrace our, our, our it was good to be back home, damn it. It yeah. was good to be back home. For sure. What What about them City Connect jerseys, mate? You liking those? My God, that community <laughs> red is so sexy. It, it reminds me of the first time I uh, interviewed Gita. I said, hey, man, when can we expect some Caliente red jerseys? That's a great question, man. But that's a good question for the marketing. You know, th two, three years later, we finally got them. Go. I'm a little upset. I'm bummed out that I haven't been able to get my hands on them, bro. Mm -hmm. But whew, I'm going to keep my, my fingers crossed that I can eventually get my hands on at least a plain uh, connect jersey for the Miami Marlins. I'd love to wear that Caliente red here in Miami or across the nation. You know I'm everywhere. <laughs> I know. I know you'll be you'll be back in Georgia soon, no doubt about it. Rolling the rolling the reds. You want to talk to me about the, the 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 outfield studs? Hold on a minute before you get it there, mate. I need to ask you one other question from this weekend. Jazz Chisholm back to back lead off triples. So firstly how good's Jazz? And secondly, how fast is he around those bases? Holy sweet baby Jesus. He's electric. He's so yeah. fast. You know, like Jazz might, he, he had back-to-back -back triples, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, a filmmaker, and we're watching the game. A Yankee fan came to Marlins Park for the first time, Lone Depot Park. And he's like, yo, what can you tell me about this guy? I was like, Jazz Chisholm, he's electric. He's the only guy right now in, in, in the season to hit home runs off of guys in, uh, uh, throwing a fastball over 100 miles an hour, right? And he just hit shots. So I was like, this guy can figure it out. Right now, he's on a good pace. He can do 20, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. That's a good-ass year for me if you're a rookie. Like, yeah, the, the, he might have high strikeouts. You know, he might have a low batting average. But it's a learning curve. Like, the guy's learning on the, on, on the run, and he's very electric. And the speed is just off the charts. And as he says that, like boy hits it off the, the wall and he's just flying down the base. Like it's easier to imagine. All right. He's going to get a triple when it's down the right field line. Right. Like, all right, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. But like when he hit it to left field on the, on the ladder, the last game, man, like you got the ball right in front of you and you just knew he was going for it. Yeah. And he, like every time you see him running, his freaking helmet flies off <laughs> and he's just running. It's just like, dude, He's so electric. Like, I haven't seen guys that electric. Maybe, like, I would say, like, on some D. Gordon, Juan Pierre type of vibe mm -hmm. for guys to really relate on the speed. He was just flying, 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 flying. You got to love his enthusiasm and excitement that he brings out to the field. And, like, even when he fails, it's a little bit of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Listen, perfect segue, though, because we think back to the first time we had you on. Um, we, were, we were previewing in that series. Rob was on, of course. And it, you were adamant about mag sierra and dropping bunts so when i think of when i think of drop the bunt it's you talking about mags last year mags was getting plenty of playing time 
but another guy that can fly. So listen, let's segue into this outfield. I just want to get your take on where we're at right now from an outfield perspective. Dickerson's in a walking boot. Not sure we'll see him ever again as a Marlin. Who knows? But listen, with that, um, with that happening, I guess, Marte, Duval, Jesus Sanchez have been holding it down there. So what are you seeing from the outfield at the moment? I'm excited about Jesus Sanchez, man. This guy is really starting to get it together. He's got some pop in that swing. And, like, I just want him to play more. I want him to get more at-bats. That's the same thing I can say about Lewin Diaz, but Lewin Diaz is a first baseman. And this is what it's getting me to. Like, I'm talking about, like, Cooper. He's finally healthy. Hopefully he can keep it going. But, honestly, like, no disrespect to these guys. I know there's a veteran to help, like, get RBIs in and everything. But, like, dude, I definitely need – to see more ABs from Lewin Diaz. I need to see more ABs from Jesus Sanchez. I need to see more ABs from these young guys. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about let the kids play. Mm. Let them play. And, you know, maybe it's a happy accent that Corey Dickerson right now is, is mm. in a boot because, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see him. Like you said, we might not see him back as a Marlin this year or period, you know? And, and right now I'm talking about Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall, right? He, he's what? Number two right now, he's in the tops in the RBIs in the league, along with Jesus Aguilar. Right now is a perfect moment for us to really cap off and really try to like capitalize on their trade value. You know, Jesus yeah. Aguilar had a couple had a down year a couple of years ago, and that's why Tampa Bay got rid of him. Right now, he's on he's at his peak. So who's not to say, hey, let's trade the boy? And listen, I don't want it to come across as the wrong way. I'm just saying, like in general, like I want to see this team to continue to evolve to produce, but you know. What are we going to do if we can't get them in enough at-bats? Let's talk about J.J. Bleday. J.J. Bleday is in the minor leagues. He hit a shot like a 500-foot home run the other day, uh, probably two weeks ago, but he hasn't done much since. Everybody's talking about he's struggling, he's struggling, he's struggling. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really worried about Bleday because everybody's got their microscope on him, like a magnifying glass on him. Let the guy try to develop. Remember, this guy had to sit out one year because of freaking covid let give the guy a break. It's going to take time for him to develop. Like people are worried about JJ Bleday. Why? Because they already showing us that they gave, they threw the flag on Monte Harrison. Ain't nobody talking about Monte Harrison anymore. I know. Nobody's talking about Connor Scott who got drafted before JJ Bleday. You know, nobody's talking about all these super studs. Sterling Marte. This is a guy that everybody wants to talk about. Hey, let's extend him. Let's extend him. Let's yep. give him a shot. What can I tell you about Sterling? Like, yeah, we would love for him to be a Marlin for another two years. Ideally, it's going to take him three for him to make sense and sign with us. But are the Marlins going to do that? At this point, I don't even trust the front office. Like, it's you can't do it because if they haven't done it with a guy like Brian Anderson, how the hell do you expect them to do it with Sterling Marte? You know what I mean? And the only reason that we do that with Anderson is because he's been in the, in the, in the organization much longer and they never even offered or knocked on the door about an extension. So I'm not even going to get my hopes up on, on that about Marte. No. Do you Mags, think they make an offer to him? Do they think? Do you think they even make an offer or they tra- just nah. trade him, just move on? Nah, I don't think they – I hope they could trade him, but I don't think we even get that. Like, if they keep him and they don't make a, 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 an effort to try to, like, really resign him, then it's an absolute fail. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying to not be so critical with Kim because it's only her first year. She hasn't even, even been here for a full year, but mm. I need you to turn it up if you're going to be in charge of a franchise. You know what I mean? Like I need you to make some blockbuster moves. Like let's let's send a uh, let's let's move some waves. Why not freaking if you got so much pitching and we talk about all this pitching and nobody wants to hear it. I talked about this on the barbecue. Why not give up a, a, a not give up, but let's trade. Hey, call up a whoever and say you need pitching. All right, 
I got Sandy Alcantara. Or I got Pablo Lopez. What you got? I need an offensive bat. I'm talking about a juggernaut. Juggernaut. Oh, boy. You know what I'm saying? You can talk to the freaking Blue Jays. Blue Jays, what you got? Oh, I got the Guerrero. Oh, I got a Bichette. <laughs> oh, I got, you know what I mean? They're going to give up somebody. If you give them with two quality pitches, you're yeah. telling me you're not going to think about it? Come on, Pete. Well, listen, the, I mean, you think of fits. I mean, we've, we've segued away from the outfielder very quickly, but, um, you know, we're in the trade, <laughs> you know, trade discussions. For me, um, a lot of teams will call the Marlins on the pitching staff, no doubt about it. And the Blue Jays are right up there. They're right up there for the pitching because it's just it's so obvious. And it makes – and they've got so much offense. Like, they're so overbalanced in the way that they're made up right now. Just – Give a little bit away and get a stud in the in, in the rotation. It makes so much sense for the Blue Jays. Like I'm totally with you on that, no doubt. So um, if you want to get something, you got to give up something. Yeah, no doubt. Like you, so. they're not going to give. You're not going to just send some peanuts to the Marlins and go, "Hey, we'll have Pablo Lopez." You know, he's a couple of prospects that are 18 and 19. Like the Marlins mm-hmm. are going to say, "Listen, we want a bona fide dude that's going to come in and rock our world in the offense next year." That's the asking price. Who have you got? You know, that's that's the discussion. I mean, listen, me, you and Kim can have this discussion. We know how it's gonna go. Kim, hear me out. Like we can we can make it work. Like Sandy, Jesus, we get an expiring contract on the mound. They came the RBIs replaced. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Let's put some names on the board. You want Vladdy, you want Bichette, you want Biggio, you want Guriel. Who do you want, man? Let's bring some guys. Let's make it happen. And even that, like, if we can go out our way and try to get a catcher, let's go out and get a catcher. I know Salvador Perez just signed an extension with Royals, but Maybe they need some pitching. We got some pitching. Yeah. Send them over. Let's talk it out. Yep. For sure. Pop the bruise, Pete. Pop the bruise. <laughs> here we go. Let's have it. Well, listen, let's talk, let's talk catch you while we're here. First thing to say, um, it's the first time in history that you've been at Lone Depot in the stands and Jorge Alfaro has been on the field. So finally the rumor, the myth has been has been quashed. But nevertheless, Jorge Alfaro has has had a good year, I think. And Sandy Leone has been Sandy Leone. I, I still think the Marlins, looking ahead, need to do something a catcher. And, you know, you have Georgie with someone else too. Um, I, I don't know what the options are, to be honest with you, whether it is go back to the Cubs and talk Contreras or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, how do you see it playing out? Honestly, man, I need something more than, than, than what we have right now. Yeah. I really need the front office to show us that they're determined to win. They can say, hey, that we want to win. We want to win, but we're not busting moves. And then you're not showing me that you want to win. Right now, we haven't really drafted anybody. When's the last catcher that we drafted? Banfield. That was four or five years ago and still nothing. You know, like, no disrespect. I know he's still working at his craft and, and everything with the COVID. But, damn, we need a freaking answer to that. You know, we, we Jorge's having a good year defensively, but we still need more. We need offense behind the plate this guy was supposed to be the next freaking mike piazza bro or was that just me <laughs> uh, yeah it could have been I, I tell you one one guy one name that was knocking around um a, a friend of mine in the uk he's a big giants fan he messaged me saying hey listen um i wonder if the marlins would be a good fit for joey bart that dude that they've got coming through the young stud there catcher um you know the giants saying that they, they could you'll probably do with some pitching in their system their organization joey bart maybe i don't know I don't know what Buster Posey's doing or what the long term is, but it was an interesting name that caught me. I thought, okay, you know, you know, it could be worth consideration. But I don't know how many catches are out there that you know move the needle. We've obviously we gave away, no, we didn't give away, but traded away Ryamuto. He was he was the ultimate dude, right? 
And unfortunately, right now, we haven't seen Sixto this year, and I have no idea what's going on with Sixto. It looks, you know, something seems up. I, you know, he's throwing at 30 feet, throwing at 40 feet. He's throwing at 15 feet now. You know, you know what, what's going on with Sixto this year? It just seems very odd. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Bobo, man, but we need him to turn it up because mm. it was supposed to be Noche de Sixto out here, and it's definitely not. No. No. Um, and I, I'm with you, man. Like, there's there's only so 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 many catches that you can really go out there and try to get. If I could, like, you know, try to find something, a vet that's going to help out this pitching staff, that's going to help, you know, help these guys' confidence somewhat, like what Pudge did in 03, mm. you know? I'm not, I don't know if the answer is Contreras. I don't know if the, the answer is Salvador Perez. I don't know. I don't know who the answer is, man. Maybe they go out their way and get somebody that we don't even completely expect. They freaking, uh, they might go out of their way and get the, the, the catcher from, uh, from the Indians from Cleveland. Yeah. You know, I Carlos mean, switch hitting catcher. Yeah. You can turn well, it up. You just get the sense that a move needs to be made. Like that, there needs to be more from that spot. I think I think Alfaro stays. I don't think they move on, but I I just feel like there needs to be more in there at that spot and just alleviate the pressure on on Georgie. And you know, listen, he's a good defensive guy. He hits the ball hard. You know, I mean, all series long against the Nats, you just saw it. They were just throwing sliders galore at him, and he was, you know. It's the old kryptonite for him, you know, low and away. And, you know, it's it's tough for him. Like, it's, you know, it's standing area, right, where he struggles with it. But, um, you know, you just want to see another guy in there. Another guy, you know, how many times this year have we had Sandy Leon coming into pinch hit in the eighth or ninth inning? I'm thinking, holy shit, game's on the line. Sandy <laughs> Leon. Sandy <laughs> Leon. Oh, the other one is seventh <laughs> inning. Tie ball game, games on the line, pretty much. Here we bring John Curtis is pinch hitting. What the hell is going on? Yeah. I What's feel going you. on? I feel you completely, man. I feel you completely. Oh, hey, you know, tip tip of the hat to Miguel Rojas. Oh, yeah. Tip of the hat to Miguel Rojas because this guy recently had an interview and he was talking about that he cares so much about the Miami Marlins and he's willing to do anything that they ask him to do. That being said, he said he wouldn't be bothered if the Marlins traded him away if it meant that it was going to help them continue to build a championship caliber team. Mm. Holy crap, man. That, that that was like on some like he's so loyal to this team. It kind of reminded me of like how loyal Chapman was to the Yankees when they traded him to the to the Cubs. And then he came back and then he helped yep. them win a championship. Like, you know what I mean? He won a championship in Chicago and then in New York. Is that that was pretty epic. <laughs> I'm with you. I saw a little clip of that today from I think the Chris Rose rotation show. Um, and he's right. He's not wrong. I mean, he go, listen, you know, trade me away if it's going to help and, you know, maybe I'll come back and, you know, listen, I think he wants to finish his career in, in Miami. Um, you know, he knows, you know, he knows the business side, he knows the drill. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he get if he gets traded though, personally, I just feel like his value is so great with the Marlins and his value isn't as great anywhere else. That's the kind of thing for me. I, I don't think it'll end up, it'll end up getting done, but you never know. You never know. Listen, before we, before we wrap up, need to talk about your man, Mag Sierra though. Um, he, he, he had a bit of a run a few weeks back where he was playing like most days when, you know, he was needed. Um, he's not been dropping too many bunts. I want to ask you more broadly about bunts soon as well, but Mag Sierra, you know, out of options, uh, you know, how, how are you seeing this playing out for Mags, you know, longer term? Do you think this could be the final year for him in Miami? 
it all depends what happens with these veteran guys. You know, like the Marlins know what they have in a piece, in a dangerous piece in Mag Sierra. They know that that speed kills and like they'd love to have him on the bench. Yeah. Um, that's why he's here over Brinson and Brinson has like unlimited options right now because this is his last year before he's out of here. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah. But um, do, you think, do you think it's Lewis's last year? Do you think do you think Brinson makes the roster in, in 22? Um, bearing any injuries? No, I think he's out of here. I think um, the best thing for him is going to be like a change of scenario. Yeah. And, um, you know, who's to say that he has to leave Florida? Maybe he goes to freaking Tampa or something like that. Who knows? I don't know, man. But yeah. anywhere but the Marlins organization, man. I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't I can't tell you how the fan base feels, but. I feel like the the sentiment I've been getting is that they can't wait to get rid of this guy the way they've been waiting to get rid of Wei Yang Chen. Yeah, I'll leave it, it at that. Yeah, no, I thought, and do you know what came came real quick though? And the Brinson vibes have been around for a while. Listen, I, I love I love Lou, so you know it is what it is. But I tell you what came real quick though recently is let's get Isan out of here, like like fully out of here. I mean, Isan's got a few option years left, and everyone's yeah. like. Let's get everybody's Isan. jumping. Yeah, they're jumping the gun on Isan already. Yeah. I'm like, you can't jump the gun on Isan because no. Jazz is there right now at second. But who's not to say he's going to slide over to short? With that being said, let me just run it back. I don't think that Jazz has got enough arm strength to be that shortstop that I need him to be. Like, Miggy Rose's arm is like way better than Jazz's. Yeah. And like, you know, like if you want to compare, like this is supposed to be like an A1 shortstop coming up. But yeah, the bat's there. But I need him to play better defense. And defensively, he's looking way better at second base anyway. That throw's not looking so hard for him. I to- totally agree with you. When at second, he looks he, – he's he slotted in there nice at short. It looks a bit quick for him there, and the arm strength isn't as strong. And, you know, there's been a few wayward throws. So I'm with you. All of a sudden, you think, well, you know, the pathway was, you know, move Miggy away. Jazz comes in, takes that spot. Isan play, goes into second. Great, that's the big plan. Lewin Diaz goes into first. BA at third, you know, it's all coming together, but you know, all of a sudden, you know, hit the hit the brakes, hit the pause button there. The interesting part though is listen, this free agent class is loaded in that shortstop region. Loaded. And there are guys knocking around. So, you know, could they could they keep Miggy, go super util with Miggy, all of a sudden, then go in and, and make a big splash and go, listen, that's a statement move from the Marlins. We're not paying anyone else. But we're going to pay some stud shortstop to come in and just lock it down there for a couple of years. I don't know any chance there we see that, or the Marlins just never going to you know shop in that in that shop. I don't see it happening, bro. No, <laughs> I really, I really I was do. selling you the dream, then. But I was, I, I would really love for the Shermanator to pull out the 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 wallet and the checkbook and see like, hey, bro, you know, Correa sign over here, mm-hmm. Story sign over here, you know, like. Javi Baez on over here, but like the Seager on, there man. as well. Is Seager in the mix? Seager, Seager's in the mix. Yeah, for sure. Seager's in the mix. Yeah. Or did he sign an extension recently? I can't remember, but oh, I don't know. all those guys would definitely be on the list. Like, hey, come here and, and sign. But those guys are gonna want a, a, a ton load of money. And we're gonna go back to like the John Carlo stuff, and we're gonna go back to square one, which was the main reason why we got rid of John Carlo. I know because we couldn't do it because we can't do it with one guy, like. And with well, that being said, we pitching though now, like you, you do have the pitching around to, you know, so you, you can't add to the offense, but you're right. And that was the problem with the, the Stanton era was there was just no pitching, like nothing, um, you know, after Jose passed, unfortunately, and it was, it was bleak, but 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd and, be shocked if they went back down that path contract-wise. I need MLB to freaking put a, a salary cap and a salary floor, bro. Like yeah. for real, there's too much. There's too much of a difference between the first place or the the most budget and the least budget. There's way too much, way yeah. too much of a gap, and it's got to be more competitive. And like fans, like it, it, the sentiment is, bro, we can't be nitpicking at every single player. Like I can't be thinking like that. Why not? Why can't I think like Peter Pratt and be like, yo, we're gonna sign Carlos Correa and give him two hundred million? <laughs> like why not? Because it's freaking damn you, Loria, and that's that's why we're all thinking like that. We're all nitpicking and not thinking about oh, we're a small market team. That's BS, bro. Ain't no way the Miami Marlins are a small market team. I know years back they they were probably like top five in most merchandise sold across MLB in the world. So how is that that we're the smallest? Ooh, we're a small market team. BS, bro. BS. I'm with you. I tell you, they're a big market team in the UK. That is for sure. Big market team. <laughs> Jerseys are flying off the shelves. Everyone's. Com- I'm seeing guys in City Connect all over the show in the UK. So I'm out of here. Nothing but studs. Nothing but studs <laughs> across the pond. Studs is right. Studs is right. I, I think this offseason is going to be wild, though, for the Marlins. Actually, the trade deadline and the offseason is, is huge. Like, it truly is. Like, this season, I think, you know, that long road stint where they just went, what, nine, nine out of ten losses and whatever – um, really set them back. You know, they've been on a three-man rotation all year. The offense has been so hot and cold. It just, you know, too many blown saves early, not winning enough close games. Like, it just, it's not been the Marlins year right now, and it just looks like it's not going to be a good year. But listen, going into the offseason, the pitching's still going to be there. Some more offense is coming through. It's going to be just huge for, for this organization, though, isn't it? It's going to be great, man. It's, uh, things are looking up. And, uh, and it's going to be a, a key year. It's going to be a key year for Kim. We're going to see what she can really do. This is going to be her calls now. Right now, she was kind of like going with the flow mm-hmm. and this transition from Mike Hill to her, giving her the baton and all that. But we got uh, Don Madeline's contract is coming up, and mm-hmm. they got to decide what's going to happen with Donnie Baseball. What's going to happen with Marte? What are we going to do with Brian Anderson? Are we going to keep Sandy Alcantara? Are we going to make a definitive extension of somebody and be like, this is the franchise of this team? Mm. So there's a lot of question marks to this team. The Marlins can do a lot of right, but they could also do a lot of wrong if they don't do anything at all. So I'm just hoping for them to, to keep pushing forward. Don't look back. Let's look forward and let's, let's keep building on this. Like, yeah, hey, we might be 6-16 six and 16 and one-run ball games. That could easily be 16-6. and six. Yeah, You know, like we could have flipped around if we just had that extra bat. Now, what is this front office going to do to evaluate? Where is it that we really need that bat at? Because we got these prospects coming up from the outfield. But once again, that hole is at third base. That hole is at the catcher spot. B.A., B.A., everybody's saying hashtag P.A., myself, myself included. I want B.A. to get paid. But if he's not staying healthy, I don't want to pay him. We can invest that somewhere else. John Birdie's playing that birdie bowl. Like what's not to love about Birdie? And like, you know what? I'm glad they kept in Intendi. Look at look at look at Birdie's uh war. Yeah, now he's like one of the top third basements with war this year. Like, so come on, keep it going. Like, um, there's there's definitely plug hole solutions, but I want more than plug holes, man. And like I want a brand new tire. My tire is messed up. I don't want to put a plug in it. I don't want to put the fix it flat. I want a brand new, not no Korean tires. I want some real good ass shit that I know that I'm going to be taken care of. And let's let's go the distance. I'm going to spend 500 bucks on this tire, but damn, I know I'm going to get a good freaking 20,000, 30,000 miles out of this shit. Not no 5,000. I got to go get another one. 
there you go. Listen, it's clear. They need a bat, two bats. They need something. They need to make that happen. I'll tell you the other, from the back end side, though, what's been really clear is you also need a legit lockdown closer as well. Like, you need to pay some dough back there, in my opinion, and get, you know, I, I know the approach they've taken this year, and I'm, I can understand it, but you need someone back there that is, like, is a proven dude, in my opinion. Absolutely, 100%. You. If it was done. only if it was only that easy to just go and pick them out of an aisle, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean the same, the same, right? You got you got closers and catchers. I mean, they're like you know, rocking all shit right now. Where do you get them from? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. But listen, that's why you've got the system. That's why the system is absolutely loaded because you have the you have the ability now to go You're, in. We're loaded. Them. We're loaded in the in the system in parentheses mm. because. When we were hurt, when Miggy was hurt, Jazz was hurt, we had to call a Marte. Nobody heard of Marte before. No. We had to call Devers up. We like had to accelerate his 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 watch a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So where is all this death that we I speak know, of? I know, I know, but it's it it the, the system looks deep, but not at the upper level, right? That's the problem. It's like it looks deep at certain positions, but not at every position. No, like, true. can you tell me like, oh, we got we got a we're looking good at first base. We got Lou and Diaz, right? And then behind him, what do you got? Gerard Encarnacion is playing a little bit of first now. Well, yeah, they're just moving him around there, aren't they, to get him there? Now, and then they second base. Away. They traded one away this this offseason, the first baseman, I, I, as part of one of the deals. I can't remember which one for a bullpen piece. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which so, one, but you're right. So it's like, all right, and so who's who's the next upcoming third baseman? Yeah. You know, well, like, who's Diaz. in? <laughs> Isan, right? Yeah, but the Isan doesn't, he's not your legitimate third baseman. Like he's no. a legitimate second baseman. He's not gonna have that arm strength. No. So yeah, he's gonna add him value because he can play all over the field, but he's not your a premier third baseman. So yeah. I don't know. I just need I need I need I need I think we need to do a, a bigger and better like variety of yeah. like more position players as well. Like, yeah, it's great that we're we're pitching heavy and we're outfield heavy. Yeah, but we need more than that. It takes a more than that. Like I, I think the core to a whole baseball team is being strong up the middle. If you have a good catcher, he's gonna help your pitching staff. You got good pitchers, pitching is gonna help well win 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 games. Defense up the middle, your shortstop, your second baseman, your center fielder. That's the the heart, the middle. If you got those positions solid, you need good money. Yeah. Right now, there's a lot of question marks at catcher. There's question marks right now, like. Take, take, take from it what you want, man. I told you what it was. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. So listen, I think Marde gets dealt uh, at the deadline. I think, I think that's the way it plays out because so many teams have a need. I think he does. You mentioned him earlier, Monte Harrison. Do you think Monte gets another crack at it in, in August and September or, or do they go a different direction? Monte who? Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> that is crazy how nobody's talking about Monte anymore, huh? Yeah. You don't hear anything about Monte. Meanwhile, you hear about Brinson and having his, his farewell AAA tour, like all around the AAA cities. It's just Brinson say goodbye, mm. goodbye, goodbye. But um, I hope Monte can like get it together and make some more contact. But I honestly haven't heard any more waves about Monte Harrison. And right now it's really looking like Jesus Sanchez and Lewin Diaz are the guys really rocking, knocking on that door. And, and I hope that they can get it together and we can get more at-bats. But it's all going to depend on if we get rid of these veterans. And, and when I say rid, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying that we're going to have to trade them. Yeah. 
All right, we are out of time. Alex Contreras, it was great having you on, buddy. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 100. It's been a lot of fun. Any final remarks from you? Hey, man, hopefully that the Marlins can reach 100 this year too. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, they they need to go on one hell of a tear. No doubt about that, but that would be good. (laughs) Hey, congrats, my brother Peter, man. Keep it up, and shout out to everybody across the pond. Alex Contreras. (laughs) Love it. Appreciate it, buddy. Welcome in onto the show now for episode 100. It is CBS's Chris Towers. He's back. Second appearance. Chris, how are we doing? Good, good. We were we were talking before. I, I overslept a little, so I'm, I'm, I got my Diet Coke and I'm feeling good though. Ready? Happy to be here for episode 100. Good man. That is the, uh, the, the diet of champions, is it? Or whatever, you know, straight up yeah. Diet Coke. Yeah, you know, here yep. we go. I think that's John Daly's preferred diet from memory uh, from back. In the he and I, he and I do have a lot of, a lot in common, you know, <laughs> not so much on the golfing side, but you know, other than that. Well, let's, let's keep it raw. I didn't expect to be talking about John Daly. So, uh, you know, that's, that's already segue number one, which is uh, a specialism of mine, but anyway, Chris, listen, we'll, we'll get into a bit about the Marlins in general. You know, we sit here recording now 11 games under 500, um, a positive run differential for whatever that means, but the NL East has been in a, it's been a bit of a mess to be honest in many yeah. ways. So, you know, that's kind of kept the Marlins, I guess, interested, but you know, from your perspective, you know, what have you seen from this Marlins team in 21? Uh, it's gone about how I expected it. Just, I think ultimately when you, when you look at this team, they just don't have quite enough offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pitching has been awesome. The, you know, the bullpen's been, eh, but the pit, the starting pitching, especially, I mean, we knew that was going to be the strength of the team coming in and Sandy Alcantara especially has, has really made, um, you know, a leap into not just being a very good pitcher, but being one of the dozen or so pitchers in baseball, really, who you can rely on every time out for at least six innings. He goes deep into games. He pitches efficiently. It's been, you know, a pretty remarkable uh, bit of player development on the Marlins side with Alcantara. And, you know, arguably he hasn't even been their best pitcher with Pablo Lopez actually having a lower or a lower ERA. And Trevor Rogers has been, you know, an absolute revelation with a 208 ERA halfway through the season. Um, you know, that's, that's the, the strength of the organization from top to bottom. I mean, you look at it and, you know, even in the minors, you can identify maybe five to 10 guys who could be part of the rotation moving forward. And we haven't even seen Sixto Sanchez pitch this season. It's, there's a lot to be excited about on that side. The problem is the hitting you've got, Starling Marte, who continues to be one of the most underrated players in baseball. Unfortunately, he's not signed for 2022. Um, and then you've got, you know, Jesus Aguilar and, and Adam Duvall have been pretty good, you know, driving a ton of runs, actually top 10 in RBI and, and uh, for, for both. Actually, as of like Sunday, I think they were first and second in the NL and RBI or something like that. Um, That's right. Which is wild because the Marlins are 12th in the NL in runs scored. So I don't know if anybody else on the team has an RBI this season. Um, (laughs) 
And then, you know, like jazz has been very, very good. Um, the strikeouts have been a bit of an issue lately, but overall I, I look at this team and it's just, there are things to be excited about for sure. I'm a little frustrated because pitching is so transient, I guess would be the word maybe is it is when you've got a re- very good pitching staff. What that means when you're building your team is you've got a very good pitching staff right now. It doesn't necessarily guarantee, guarantee anything for next season. It doesn't necessarily guarantee anything for 2023. And so, you know, my thought coming off of the, the surprise playoff run last season was, man, this, whatever your five-year plan was before, it got accelerated with the development of Pablo and Sandy and Sixto. You need to, once you have, if you've got a very good pitching staff, you're competing. You're no longer rebuilding. You are, you are built and you need to start supplementing that team. And they just didn't do that. And it, it, it feels like a little bit of a wasted opportunity this season because you don't know what that pitching staff's going to look like next season. You know, you look around baseball at how many injuries have happened to, to starting pitchers. And, and you look at a, a, an example of a team like the 20, was it 15 Mets that made the, the World Series? Um, you know, Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard. That this this young pitching staff that looked like it was going to be the core of a contending team for a half a decade or more. And that was the only time they made the World Series. I think they might have only made the playoffs once or twice with that core. And so it's really hard to have a long-term plan when you've got a pitching staff, uh, when your team is built around good pitching. And so I would have liked to have seen them make the push this off season. And uh, I, I think, you know, whatever their long-term plan was, you've got to add a couple of impact bats in, in the off season coming up. The only problem we've got, <laughs> and you touched on it, the Marlins best offensive player isn't signed for 22. Um, yep. The, uh, uh, I guess our RBI guys, Aguilar, He's got to find a year of ARB, but gut feel is you may move on Aguilar right now. Yeah. Duval's got a, an option um, as well, but you, maybe you move on Duval. Next thing is you've got to add some impact bats. We're about to take away maybe three or four of these, the, the current impact bats. So yeah. it's going to be a real tough, a really intriguing like, couple of weeks at the deadline to see what they do. But equally, yeah. like into the off season as well, like these two next windows of activity are like are so crucial for this Marlins team, in my opinion. Yeah, and last off season, you know, for a team with limited resources, last off season might have been the best opportunity to make that kind of run because every team was, you know, seemingly so afraid to make a big investment. And obviously, you know, the Marlins had financial issues along with everyone else, but. If you're talking about a team that theoretically at least would be less impacted by not having fans in the stands, it would be a team who relies on fans in the stands less for their revenue. So, true. you know, it does feel a little bit like a missed opportunity. And then, you know, you look at like some of the, the exciting younger bats haven't really in the minors. I mean, like JJ Bladé, I still think he's going to be very, very good, but he hasn't really 
been that great this season, 658 OPS at double A. Gerard Encarnacion, another guy who I think could become uh, a pretty good player. He's got a 772, so not really, um, you know, tearing the cover off the ball yet. Uh, it's they've got, I, I think, a top five, maybe top three pitching staff in baseball. And that's not including, you know, Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, or any of the guys in the minors who could, you know, jump forward. That's not including Sixto, who hopefully will uh, will be able to make an impact in the second half. And from a position player perspective, they might be bottom three in baseball as an organization, top to bottom. And that's a that's a tough place to be although i guess if you have to chase pitching or hitting in free agency you'd rather chase hitting i guess because you're going to get probably get a better return on your investment most likely i'd say and there's there's an interesting cluster i think of free agents that are are, are popping up in 22 so you know that's going to be intriguing i I was chatting to uh jordan mcpherson who's the uh the beat writer for for the Marlins from, from the Heralds. And we, we got into this topic already thinking about whether, you know, with one of these middle infielders that pops up, maybe they make the investment and kind of move mm-hmm. Miggy Rowe to like a super util type of guy, keep him yeah. for what he brings, but kind of Miggy becomes that super util, a bit like kind of how Martin Prado, I guess, kind of finished up. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah and I mean, look, back. he's going to be, he's going to step off the field. And if he's not in a front office role for the Marlins, the, the minute he retires, he's going to be coaching or managing a, tri, you know, triple A. Like he's, he's a future uh, manager for this organization. I think pretty much everyone in the organization views him that way. One of my favorite bits of uh, baseball trivia from the last five years is who's the last player manager in major league baseball, because most people think, I believe it was Pete Rose uh, before this, but Miggy Rojas did actually manage that one game at the end of the 2019 season, I yeah, think. Uh, so, you know, he, he's technically the last player manager. and uh, But he's also just a really solid player to have around. Like, if he's starting for you, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, no way. Well, let's let's kind of segue into a bit of uh, you know fantasy and whatever, which of course is uh, is your expertise and is definitely mm-hmm. not mine um, <laughs> for sure. But let's let's start with the pitchers. You mentioned, listen, it's a pitching heavy organization. Trevor, Sandy, Pablo, the three of them have been electric, uh, to be honest. This year, how can you? I mean, and as well at the time, thinking back to the draft that we that we had in the lead up to this year, Sixto was also well. Sixto was in that cluster. Trevor yep. wasn't. You had the three of them, but swap out Trevor um, with, with Sixto. But how are you seeing the SPs now from a fantasy perspective? Who's the main guy you'd be targeting kind of you know, now or heading into next year more likely? I, I think Sandy's the best of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if he has the, the, the upside on a per start or, um, you know, maybe like every month he might not be the best of the Marlins starters. I think Pablo's got a little more strikeout upside. Trevor Rogers, obviously, I think has a ton more strikeout upside. But what uh, what Sandy has going for him that makes him a top twenty starting pitcher for fantasy in my eyes is, you know, there aren't probably more than twelve pitchers who I think can throw two hundred innings this mm-hmm. season, and he's on pace for it. Uh, he's at one hundred and one through sixteen starts. 
he is, he's always been great at limiting hard contact. He's always been great at outperforming his peripherals. You know, that was one of the things he did early on in his Marlins career was he would have, you know, a, a FIP around five and an ERA around three, eight. And my thought at the time was, well, there's no way this is sustainable, but you know, at this point we're going on, I think, three or four full seasons in the majors. He's been uh, pitching in the majors since 2017 on a limited basis. And he's pretty consistently outperformed his peripherals every single season. So that's clearly just a skill that he has. But what he's done over the last uh, really year is he's gone from being a very bad control pitcher to actually a pretty good one, which is um, kind of a, you don't see that a lot. That's the kind of thing that you, that when you're talking about the young pitchers developing, there's a lot of, well, if he can just improve his control, but most guys don't, it's really hard to do that. He's got his walk rate down to 6.4%, which is, you know, significantly below major league average right now. I think it's about 40% below the major league average. Um, and, you know, the strikeout rate is fine. It's not elite, but it's still pretty good. And, and you add all of that up with the volume that he's going to give you. And I, I think he's actually one of the more valuable pitchers in fantasy just because of being, you know, very good, not elite, but very good, but with elite workload. And yeah. that's incredibly valuable in an era where very few pitchers can throw 200 innings. Very few pitchers can stay healthy. He's managed to do, uh, he hasn't quite reached 200 innings. I think it was like 196 in 2019, but he's about as good a bet for that as most pitchers can be. Um, so he's the best of the group. I think Pablo's Pablo is probably second. Um, and Rogers is third, but it's, on a per inning basis, I think Rogers is probably the best of the three, at least based on what we've seen yeah. from him so far this season with the improved stri uh, strikeout rate, with the improved velocity. He is uh, the only questions I have with him really for 2021 are workload related. You know, are we going to see him throw? I would be a little surprised if he threw 150 innings, although he's already you know, more than halfway there. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Marlins treat him down the second half. I would guess around the all-star break, we're probably going to see, you know, a skip start or, or something like that just to kind of try to manage things. But he's been so efficient that he's actually, you know, managed to average right around six innings per start, despite not throwing that many pitches. Um, so I love what we've seen from Trevor Rogers potentially three plus pitches from a, a lefty who throws 95 to 98 miles an hour. That's a, that's a pretty rare combination. So uh, I think all three of those guys are, are top 30 starting pitchers for fantasy right now. How are you going to, how are we going to work out where Sixto goes though? Because he was going, you know, let's say hundred, 120th overall, let's yeah. say, you know, heading into the year, we've not seen him. It's not clear if we will see him at all. Let's say we don't see Sixto at all in 21. <laughs> How are we going to project him? Well, I, I think you can look at someone like Carlos Rodon for the White Sox this season who had, you know, really significant injury issues. He hadn't really pitched since 2018. Uh, it was, I, I believe, Tommy John and then a shoulder injury. So he was really not being drafted 
this season. He's arguably been the arguably been the best pitcher in baseball, not named Jacob Degrom mm-hmm. so far this season. So, uh, Sixto Sanchez has that kind of ability. Um, you know, he's actually from what we saw last season, he's a lot more polished than Carlos Rodon was before his injuries, but. Rodon made some refinements while he was away. Um, he's thrown harder this season, and it's it's allowed him to take a big leap, and he's been a, a real fantasy asset. I think when you're looking ahead to 2022, you know, even if, if Sixto comes back in a month and pitches really well, I think you could probably see him getting back into that 150 ADP range as a – you know, the, the 50th or 60th pitcher off the board, someone who has a ton of upside, but obviously risk. I would still be looking to draft him next season, even if he doesn't pitch at all this season, mm-hmm. assuming he doesn't have like a serious surgery, which we haven't seen yet. It's been just kind of recurring small steps backwards in his return. So, you know, we'll see where it goes, but I, I love – what I really love about Sixto is it's kind of similar to what what you had with Sandy Alcantara, where you know the Marlins kind of have a type when it comes to pitchers, and I've, I've criticized them for it in the past, but it's worked out a few times. Which is they love guys who throw hard and don't get strikeouts. It's it's kind of a weird uh, it's a weird combination. But you look yeah. at some of the guys that you know, especially these guys that they've acquired in the trades. It was Alcantara. It was Sixto Sanchez and I'm blanking on the name of the guy they got back for Giancarlo Stanton. Um, but he had this, a similar profile where he was throwing 98, hundred miles an hour and the strikeout numbers were just kind of, eh, should be better with Sixto though. He's got, we saw last season, he's got incredible command. He's got real poise on the mound. He's got great stuff. The strikeouts weren't there, but that could be just, uh, uh, you know, he throws his four seamer more. He throws it up in the strike zone more. He throws his uh, change up a little more often. And all of a sudden he takes a big jump. Like we've seen from Trevor Rogers this season. And there is legitimate top of the line, you know, ACE potential with Sixto Sanchez. And even if he doesn't get there, I think he's going to be very good because like Sandy, it's really, really hard to square him up. It's really, really hard to do damage against him, even if he's not racking up big strikeout numbers. And so I think what you've got there is injuries notwithstanding a high floor for Sixto as a pitcher if he's healthy with, you know, the upside to make a, you know, he could be like a Luis Castillo type of pitcher, um, you know, maybe not 2021 <laughs> Luis Castillo. You'd hope <laughs> no, for better well. than that. <laughs> but, um, you know, kind of similar profile, really, really good um, fastball, really, really good changeup. That was a, a real surprise for Sixto last season was how good his changeup was. Um, I think that's a Marlins thing. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going on in the, in, in the development of these pitchers, but everyone's yeah. got elite changeups coming. I mean, Sandy's changeup has made a, a real leap the last couple of seasons. Pablo's changeup is one of the best in baseball. And, Trevor Rogers changeup has actually been really, really good too. So yeah, no, that's, um, I, I look at six stone and I could see a world in which, you know, we come around to 2024 and he's being drafted in fantasy as a top 20 starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Wait to see. I think it's just the health thing with six The Marlins are going to be, uh, you know, 
they're going to be cautious with him this year, clearly because of, I think, the way the season's going as well. But yeah. I, I think they'd like to see him back. I'd, I, I, you know, I'd like to get some work out of him rather than just you know, a complete no-no. So uh, we'll wait to see on that one. What about you know, one of the guys that I got everywhere pretty much in every draft this year um, was Jazz Chisholm? Because, well, yeah. not a lot of people outside of the Marlins fan base would probably have known too much about Jazz or expected him even in the opening day um, uh, lineup. So um, that, you know, what we're going to see from Jazz now going into next year where you've got this power speed combo that like particularly in Roto Leagues is so valuable. Um, you know, where do you see him kind of landing? He is first such a fun player. Yeah. Uh, just like love having a guy like that on your team that you can root for. He's just his style of play is incredibly entertaining, but he also just his personality is great. Um, you know, he, he got off to such an incredible start at the 926 OPS in April. He cut the strikeout rate. The strikeout rate has been really quite high over the last you know since he came back from the il basically it's uh 31.6 percent. that was always the concern with him was you know it's not never been a question of tools it's never been a question of talent it's always been a question of whether he could put those skills together in a way that was you know able to make him a sustainably good player and you know i think those questions are still there but i feel more confident in him now having seen him one have stretches where the strikeouts weren't as bad but also just the the tool set plays you know for sure we know that now in the in the major leagues his ability to hit for power the very very rare ability to um you know hit bad pitches He's hit a couple home runs on pitches that it's just like, it doesn't make sense. The the one against Jacob DeGrom obviously stands out, you know, 101 mile an hour fastball, six inches above the strike zone that he somehow jumped on for a home run. You, you don't do that. You know, you got to be a pretty special player to do that. And it's about refining the skill set and it's about, you know, hopefully trimming the strikeouts down. But for fantasy, he does look like someone who's going to be a, potential must-start guy for you know the next five to ten years just because you know the really 25 homer 30 steal potential that he's shown so far and if he can combine that with a 250 average like he has so far this season you're you're probably looking at a top 50 player mm. moving forward um so that's um that's what, you know, I don't view him as a top 50 player right now. He does need to kind of pull out of this little slump that he's in and, you know, fix some of the plate discipline issues. But if we get to the end of the season and let's say his numbers look like they do right now, 250 average, 750 OPS, uh, 20 plus homers, 20 plus steals. It's going to be really hard not to take him in the first five rounds next yeah, season. Agreed. Yeah, it's just it's it's rare to find, um, you know, Trent Grisham was someone who was going in the you know top seventy picks last season. I think Jazz has both more stolen base and more home run potential. Yeah, than Trent Grisham. So it's um an exciting player for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Hundred percent. I think that it's one of them where you're right. Those the home run against Degrom, the home run against Castillo as well. Similar, similar, yeah. like high velo up, up above the zone, and just to turn on them like effortlessly was just sensational to see. You just know, you know, the talents there, the tools are there. Uh, you know, you have these mini little slumps that will happen in rookie seasons, and I think it's just how you learn, how you adapt, and I think you'll kick on. It's I'm really excited to see what Jazz, um, you know, turns into as a player. Um, what about? One of the most mysterious things right now in fantasy baseball probably is saves. And listen, the Marlins, I mean, we've we've already had what we started the year with Bass. He didn't yeah. last long. Yimmy came in, looked good, but has kind of recently had a you know a couple of uh, blown saves and losses too. Uh, I think Yimmy is a free agent as well after this year. So I'm intrigued to see what the Marlins do there in general. But who knows how things will play out? But you know, looking ahead both for the rest of this year and into 22. I mean, who, who's the most likely saves leader? Uh, <laughs> I have yeah. no, I mean, it's one of those things where the, the reason guys become closers is usually because they can't hack it as starters or, you know, they, they just, you know, can't hold up to the workload. So given the Marlins, you know, very, very good depth at starting pitcher. I think one thing that you're likely to see is guys making, you know, some of these guys who we were hoping would be rotation stalwarts, you know, eventually making the transition over to the bullpen, but Mm -hmm. who that's going to be exactly is hard to say. Um, You know, this is one of my things with fantasy. And we, you know, when we did our relief pitcher preview before the season, I talked about it and I I did a big rankings overhaul yesterday because uh, I was on vacation for the last couple of weeks. And I just, I almost would rather not have to deal with relief pitcher because there's like eight good closers who like, you know, are good and you know, are going to get saves. And then after that, it's just a bunch of like whoever ends up in the closers role. There's there's a lot of good relievers. It's just which ones end up getting saves. Uh, like Jimmy Garcia, he's a pretty good reliever. I don't think he's a, a shutdown closer or anything. No. If they re-sign him and he's the closer next season, I think that would make sense. If not it'll probably be somebody that they can find for cheap and I'm sure they'll be effective. But as far as, you know, I have trouble predicting what the closer landscape is going to look like three weeks from now, Um, let alone uh, in, you know, any further beyond that. It's, it's one of the trickiest things to do in fantasy because it's not just, it's hard enough to figure out who's going to pitch well then you add on who's going to pitch well in this specific role and keep their manager's trust. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can see Yemi holding on to the job for the rest of the season, at least, um, you know, beyond that. Yeah. Beyond that, I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, listen, final two questions for you then. It's um, just straight up the best, I guess, sell high candidate or the best sell high dude right now. And then the best buy low candidate as well, which one name of each buy low and sell high right now for these Marlins. For the Marlins. Um, you know, for as much as I praised him, I do think Trevor Rogers is probably a sell high candidate and it's 
only, I mean, I don't think he's a two ERA guy moving forward. That would be great if he was. Um, that would make him one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think he's probably not quite that good. I think he's very, very good. But for me, when I'm looking at it from a fantasy perspective, it's mostly just, I don't know what the workload's going to look like in the second half. You know, I assume there's some kind of innings limit. I think they hinted at that in spring training with him. And that just makes me a little worried that, you know, the, the peak of his value has come and gone. And at some point we're going to start seeing, you know, maybe more 80 pitch inning outings, maybe more, uh, okay. We skipped him in the rotation, something like that. I think we're going to see some stuff like that starting around the all-star break and moving forward, just because the chances of them making a run and competing for a playoff spot look pretty slim right now. And he, you know, is coming off of a year where he didn't throw that many innings, you know, just because of the, the shortened season, because he's got this big velocity jump, because he's young. I think all those factors make it pretty likely that Trevor Rogers is going to be limited in the second half. Um, as far as a buy low, I mean. Must be I an think, offensive piece. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to come up with one. You know, I, I wonder if Jazz Chisholm might uh, count for that just because of the slump right now. He'd certainly be the one guy moving forward who I think could be a lot better than he has been over the last month, let's say. But yeah, you know, it might actually be six though. You know, if you he might be on waivers in your league, or you know, he might be someone that someone in your league is considering dropping because they just can't keep the extra roster spot. If you can buy him for something very cheap, you know, maybe there is, there, there certainly is that opportunity that he makes an impact in the second half. It's uh, by no means a guarantee as we've seen so far this season. But if you're talking about uh, a potential impact player on the Marlins who you could get for cheap, I think that's probably the six is probably the best option. I thought you were going to say Lewis Brinson, but you know, not this. <sighs> I wish. I I really I would love to see him figure it out, but it just doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen for him. This is no. uh, you know, you know, like I said with the Marlins and their their trend of getting you know the high the hard throwing pitchers who don't necessarily get strikeouts. Um, the toolsy outfielders with too much swing and miss in their game who you know they think they can refine and that hasn't worked out quite as well uh so far i mean jazz is a very big win in that regard but the the outfielders have uh have really been a disappointment so far so maybe jesus sanchez can uh can stem that tide a little bit, although it'd be nice to see swing and miss bit too swing, too much swing and miss so far, but hopefully, hopefully. Agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Well, Chris, listen, really appreciate you hopping back on the second appearance. And uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you. No one will see this, but I can, uh, he's got the, uh, the city connect uh, t-shirt on as well. So he's looking on point. Um, Chris, where for anyone that isn't following you on Twitter, that's probably no one, but just in case, where can they get you on Twitter? Yeah, at C Tower CBS on Twitter. Um, you can follow me for baseball and you know more and more now football because the season's coming up, but also a lot of a, a lot of other stuff. 
<laughs> good man well listen really appreciate it chris thanks for being part of uh, episode 100 of fish across the pond and uh, we'll hopefully talk again soon yeah thanks for having me it's been great congratulations on episode 100 appreciate it thanks chris